Good afternoon and welcome everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Great to be with you on a Bowlsmic Wednesday as always. Hey, how about this? To my right, T. Lizzie in the house. Not in New York at all, but right here in the house producing the program. Director here as well, and uh, away we go. Welcome back. Hey, oh, how you doing? <laughs> if you stayed in that accent the whole show, how perfect would that be, right? Uh, yeah. I've been gone for a month, and it's all of a sudden he's completely converted. I've been gone a month. <laughs> One short little month, and oh, here it is. Oh, man. Rick I could Pitino. do it. Rick I Pitino. could do it. You could. Uh, so it is that uh, Tom is here for the week, the rest of the way. That's good stuff. Happy to have you back here, seated alongside, sir. Good day in for Florida State yesterday. We'll start with that. The baseball team continues its role. They pummel a good USF team, and they do it in all the right ways. The basketball team wins, can't miss from the field. Uh, absolutely the best offensive performance of the season. Uh, Mr. Watkins continues to be uh, a really formidable player. He's such a goofy guy. Like What I mean by that is, there's no one thing that Jameer Watkins does that's special. It's just that he does a lot of things very well. And when you score 90 points, you're going to have a lot of moments for a lot of guys. Darren Green shot well. Chandler first Jackson. First time in forever since Darren Green shot well. Chandler Jackson had a run there. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. he scored his first four baskets. But, I mean, you're talking about driving from every angle to the basket, making shots. And then Primo Spears was awesome down the stretch. He was. You know, it's fun. Uh, I take it with a grain of salt. I win's a win. You're happy. I don't want to degrade the win. NC State's got one good win on the season. They beat Clemson on the road earlier this year. They don't really defend uh, Florida State didn't defend all that well uh, last night. But that's a win, and it's a much-needed win. And frankly, if Florida State is going to have a shot at the – dare I do it because there's still life there, uh, they're going to have to really see it work out in their favor. they got an opportunity here if you think about it. They have three coin flip games remaining on their schedule as I pull this up. They traveled to Georgia Tech this Saturday. They should beat Georgia Tech, and they, they, they're going to have to. But now we never play well at Georgia Tech, so I'm not assuming anything. Right. We always struggle there for whatever reason. That Georgia Tech, when we go to Georgia Tech and play them in basketball, I feel like it's the perfectly uh, drawn-up scenario that you and I did before the Boston College game in football, where we talk about the things that happen over the course of a maddening game when you know you're going to lose because all of the dumbassery that make up grand upsets come into play, where you're like, oh, second and seven, run up the – I think the ball's on the ground, Jim. Yeah, that kind of stuff, like that – happens at Georgia Tech. You're like, oh, okay, so they just bricked three straight threes, got all three long rebounds, and an and one after the fourth one. Yes, okay, great. Yeah, and then for us, it's, you know, put-back attempt. Oh, here we go. Another rebound, Florida State again. How does it not go in, partner? Yeah. How does that not go in? There's a lid on the basket right now early. There's, I just, uh, that's a bunny. You got to make that. You know, and then make, you know, they magnify the problem. They fouled afterwards. Uh, Wes, you know, (laughs) these must be double rims, Wes. (laughs) I don't know what's going on Old playground days with the wind and the double rims is killing them. Yeah, so it's very – that's what happens at Georgia Tech. Oh, and they got Florida State for a three-second count. Always some nonsense. And then usually to add insult to injury, on the heels of pointing out that they – oh, they got Florida State on a three-second count. I I don't know about that, Bob. Look, his foot clearly got – oh, that's a tough call. Mm Mm-hmm. 
that is. Seems like they were looking for it, like looking for one. We'll take that under 12 media timeout, and the score is Georgia Tech 10, Florida State 9. We'll yeah, be right back after this. You're like, Jesus! And it's another hour and a half of this. Yeah, yeah there, there we, go. we go. Next thing you know, it's 52 all with a minute to play. Tom and I are getting into an argument about the refs need to let him play. Well, you know, what was interesting is last night, last night, I thought, especially in the second half, I think four out of our first five baskets, you could have called harm and a plus one. Mm -hmm. I mean, really. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, all right, you're going to let him play. This is how we go. Then North Carolina somehow, someway draws nine fouls with nine minutes to go in the half. North Carolina State, of course, excuse me. But I don't understand other than to say, consistent incompetence at the collegiate officiating level, specifically in basketball. Oh, well, but buddy. How you're letting them play in the first four minutes of the half in Florida State, I'm, again, harm most every single basket near the rim mm-hmm. because what's our usual complaint is that Florida State doesn't attack. They're shooting a lot of perimeter stuff, yeah. so there's a foul disparity. Well, that's mostly on us. Man, we're attacking the 10 last night. We're getting harmed and nothing. And then the next thing you know, the fouls are 9-7 with 10 minutes to go. It's frustrating. They get the win. They persevere. They were good on offense. Uh, That win, let me put it into perspective for us, though, for real. Again, that's not out of the realm of possibility. I haven't rang this damn bell basically since Tom left. Must have been in mourning. But honestly, it's I think you shook it once or twice. I have. I shook it because it was was dying. But here's here's the deal. Okay, so you got the game against Georgia Tech. They're they're 5-12. Uh, come on, guys. You're, you're going to have to win that. Uh, following that, you have a game at 9-8 and eight Pitt on Tuesday the 5th before closing out the regular season at the TLCCC against a team we own and who has had a miserable season, which has served as much-needed schadenfreude for all of us. Miami, who went to the Final Four a year ago, is 6-12. and 12. <laughs> The con- <laughs> Uh, grand opening, grand closing. Hope you enjoyed that run. Back to back into your hole. Oh boy, boy. And oh, by the way, you've been owned by our ass. Matthew Cleveland. Mm. That's a mm. tough, tough decision. Mm. I'm going to go play for a Final Four team. Yes, and suck. And so we play them on the ninth. And so, you know, they all, all three of those teams have at least one really good three-point shooter. Not something we guard well, so I can't assume wins there. But if Florida State were to put it together, those are all winnable games on the other side of that coin. You could be legitimately sitting at 18 and 13 and 12 and 8 in the ACC, headed to the ACC tournament, uh, which is in D.C. Hey, how about that? An ACC tournament that's not in a Carolina state. There you go. Uh, That's the last one ever. Yeah. And I would argue if Florida State is 18 and 13 and 12 and 8 in the ACC, Uh, you can make a case. You can make a legitimate case. So hang in there. I, I get it. If I'm listening to this and I'm diehard and I care deeply about Florida State's future, you know, I'm glad they won last night. I'm happy that they've played better this year than the last two years. They do fight. They don't look incompetent. They are lacking in some areas. In particular, they can't guard opposing guards. They struggle to close out on the three-point line. They don't shoot the ball well themselves last night being an outlier. These are all things that anger you, but they're bigger, they're more athletic, they play harder, 
smarter than they did the last two years. They have an emerging star. They have some pieces to give yourself some hope. But it's all half measures. It's all kind of baby steps towards what? Towards making the tournament next year? Perhaps. Perhaps. Maybe. But you see problems looming for this program as it stands right now until this university can get out of the ACC and have more money to pass around. Because I don't, you know, basketball's not been a priority here for a very, very long time. That's part of why Ham's tenure has been considered very, very successful. If if you poured money into the program the way, say, other ACC schools do, like Duke and Kentucky, I mean, Duke and North Carolina and the SEC Kentucky and others around the country that we can cite, that wouldn't be a good tenure. Ham would have been run out of town years ago. But because we don't and never have, and there isn't a lot of money for it, it's been a very good tenure because of two separate lengthy runs where the team did very, very well. I'm just looking big picture because we're winding down the year. And so, I again, if I'm listening to this, I say, okay, to what end? I'm, I'm, I'm happy they won last night. I'm happy they play hard. I'm happy we look competent. But we're not where we want to be. That's a fair assessment. A year ago, baseball was so bad, it felt like the culmination of things having gone off the rails around here in baseball. And you thought, what a, what a way – for your new head baseball coach, former All-American here at Florida State, Link Jarrett, to start his his time. And I had confidence coming into the season, Tom, that this would be a better team, just based on who they added, the transfers they brought in, some of the talent that made up last year's disappointing season showed signs of being very, very good. For example, everybody knew Tibbs could hit. Tibbs could really hit. He's just sweet. And That plays on a bad team, good team, great team. He's a starter anywhere. He's that kind of a player. And that remains uh, to be the case. That that is true. That's what they have. But they didn't have any pitching a year ago. They had about a a starter and a half after the injuries. Really struggled uh, in all the fundamental areas of baseball. They didn't pick it up. They didn't run the bases well. They struck out incessantly. They didn't move runners over. They didn't do anything well. It's a... It's, it's a brief set of data points so far, but all of them point to this team being much, much, much better. And for a lot of reasons. You know, Whitaker gets out of the first. We sat together yesterday down the third base uh, line there. That was beautiful. That was gorgeous. Gorgeous day for baseball, it wasn't was. it? yeah. And he gets out of the first, gets that double play, but then goes from there. No walks. Defensively, FSU played really well. Turned big double plays when they needed them. That slider produced the ball into the ground. They were able to get those. Ben Barrett was pretty good when he came in. Uh, the lineup, I've been saying it for the, since the start of the season, is deeper. They all hit for power. Tibbs with two bombs last night. I looked him up because I wanted to see if he was at four or five home runs. And and I know about, you know the two grand slams, and I've seen him hit. Hell, I've seen him hit four of his home runs. Um I didn't realize it until I was looking at all those numbers. You know he hasn't struck out yet this year? I was not aware of that. He has not struck out yet this year. Last night he gets the opposite field home run. I'm going to tell you right now, Tibbs probably, barring injury, going to hit 20-plus home runs this year. Uh, He's he's a bat-to-ball guy. We're not in March and he's got five, right? Yeah, he's he's, he's a baller. Uh, Made a nice defensive play in the outfield, which is not what he's known for. Everybody picked it last night. Everybody. They did. Your third baseman. Cam made a great play at third base. Two, I thought, two excellent plays. Yeah. Well, he's played well defensively, too, all year. He's not hitting, but he's played well. And that's fine. If you've got a deep enough lineup, you can have a nine hole hitter. Now, hopefully, he goes over the Mendoza line, but like you can have it. He'll hit. You can have a free out in a lineup that's lengthy. This lineup does appear to have protection 
for a lot of its key bats, which is also part of it. It's contagious. Oh, yeah. When you have protection behind you, there was a situation last night where Cam is at the plate. It's uh, second and third, one out. Yeah. There's an open bag there, man. Now, but Tibbs is <laughs> but Tibbs is on deck. That it changes the nature of how you approach the situation. Last year, if Tibbs is up in that situation, walk his ass, or you just pitch around him and see if you get him to swing and yeah. induce something. Like that's the difference. This this lineup does appear to be deeper. Much. Their swings appear to be on plane and in the zone for a long period of time. It's not well. They might run into one. A lot of these swings that they have, the approaches you can see are contact laden. And again. Watching them pick up the baseball last night, I thought Diamez Ross was outstanding in center field, too. Oh, he's he's a really good player, too. He's a really good player and sets the tone. By the way, they're only averaging, offensively, going into last night, five strikeouts a game. So they're not striking out a ton, and they strike out a lot of hitters. So this is a good combination. If, if you haven't bought in yet, I think it's time to start paying attention. Also, I think it's been really smart on Link Jarrett's part to have Whitaker, it worked out because of a rain delay, the first, um, not a rain delay, a washout completely, the first series of the year. But I have to admit, there must have been a moment in there after it happened the way that it did and they were con- contemplating what to do with the Tuesday night JU game at the time. I'm, I, there's a part of me that says they sat around as a staff and he said, you know what, let's be honest about this. These these Tuesday games are big games. They're regional teams that we're going to be playing. They're teams in the state that we need to beat, okay, for a lot of reasons. And I'd like to have a weekend guy to face JU, who was really good last year. I'd like to have a weekend guy on a Tuesday to face USF, who's a veteran club with a lot of good hitters. I'd like to have a weekend starter on a Tuesday to face UF and get a, you know, I think they kind of realized that they they backed into something that turned out to be smart. They'll piece it together on a Sunday, but they have a weekend guy. It's Whitaker. He's just pitching Tuesdays right now. Yeah, and he shows the mental toughness. You talk about it. You got the first inning where there's a lot of hard hit contact. I mean, a lot. there is the only time that there isn't. Does he get the one strikeout? I, I don't even remember. But yeah, it's a double. No, it's a line out to center. So you got a right. line out to center and a double play. So everything is hard hit in that inning. Then you score a bunch, and what does he come out and do? It's a shutdown inning. Oh, yeah. That's a more modern term, but the shutdown inning of where when you score, put a zero up the next half. Keep it rolling. And then he did it again when he was on the ropes. He was on the ropes in the fifth inning. We watched that. That was close. I think he was one hitter away from maybe Link making a move. Well, it's a great defensive play by Tibbs to throw out the runner at second. Exactly. And then he comes back in, and here's the mental toughness. That's the mental toughness. Strikes out the side. Yes, exactly. That's... I don't. They're not always going to win. They're not. They're not going undefeated here. No, no, but but no. the point is that you're seeing a lot of these moments from the staff, a lot of these moments in the field and at the dish, where all of them show mental toughness. Where I, this is where I think that the roster turnover helps. You bring in a lot of fresh perspective, so it's not an oh here we go again clubhouse. You've got an, a lot of dudes with chips on their shoulders. It's very much like what Coach Norvell did with the football program. You bring a lot of guys who feel either slighted at their previous institution or they're getting an opportunity that they've never had before. You don't have time to worry about, oh, here we go again. This is it for me. This is my opportunity. And I think that helps foster the mental toughness that we've seen so far. Now, they're going to be playing better competition. They're going to lose some ball games. That's, of course. The, that's a higher level of adversity. 
But, man, we need to crawl before we can walk. And right now we're crawling the hell out of uh, around uh, Mike Martin Field. Well, undefeated to start. You're stockpiling wins to give yourself some leeway when you hit the inevitable lull that every team does where some things go against you because baseball's weird and it happens and your starter who's your weekend guy has a bad day and then somebody makes a colossal error in the eighth inning and you lose two straight and the sky's falling. you gotta, you got to stockpile those wins and put yourself in a nice position. By the way, uh, so today is linebackers and defensive line at the combine tomorrow. It really, things get underway. You start seeing televised stuff on NFL network beginning tomorrow, but you'll get numbers today. I want to talk about this when we come back. It's a big, it's a big week for a few guys. The, the Florida state players at the combine, if you go, whether you're looking at Bucky Brooks or wherever you want to look, I look at about 15 different draft analysis guys that are paid to do this and either former players or scouts at NFL um, franchises. And then I try to put them all together and figure out just about if I were a betting man, where I'd project a guy to go based on these projections uh, that you can find all over the country. Obviously there's this, a cottage industry started years ago, certain around the draft. Some people do it better than others. Florida State's players as a whole, I don't think, are as well thought of as perhaps we would would have guessed uh, midway through the FSU football season. And, I, and I'll tell you, there's a guy in particular who I think has to have a very good combine, and it's Keon Coleman. And we'll talk about that in a second. It's Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply hello there podcasters oh don't worry i won't prattle on for two minutes like i do with some of the other reads zaxby's doesn't demand it of me (laughs) Zaxby's like, look, just tell everybody that we have the best chicken sandwich in all the land. That's easy. I can do that. I can attest to that. A delicious, thick, juicy, tasty Zaxby's chicken sandwich is where it's at. Of course, the strips are a given. You like the strips? We get the strips on game days. The platters are lifesavers. Mm-hmm. If you're going to a party, pool party, say, this summer, and what do I bring? Just bring a Beer giant thing. No. and Zaxby's. Worry about the beer. You bring the Zaxby's, you're going to be the hero. Just uh-huh. make sure you get all the sauces, too. They've got like 97 sauces, and they're all delicious. I don't know if you guys know this. There are 27 Zaxby's in Tallahassee alone. 27. You can't miss them. I think that's true in general in every city in America. They're like so peach trees in Atlanta. They're everywhere. Look around. Find you a Zaxby's and get after it. By the way, your Tallahassee Zaxby's a proud Golden Chief booster for 18 years. Go Knowles. I mentioned it a moment ago, rolling on, Balls McWednesday, good to have you along. Thanks for joining us, we really appreciate it. If the Bucks were in a position late in the first round here, Tom, to take uh, Keon Coleman, so let me just project this out there to you really quickly. Uh, all, all kinds of directions the Bucks can go, they need a lot. You can go offensive line, it's a safer pick, it's what I'd do. But if you're 
if you're going to look at the receiving group and those that could be on the board at the time that you draft, and let's say you want to go receiver because you're not sure you can sign Evans or you want to sign Evans, or even if you do sign Evans, it's going to be short-term and he'll be on his way out soon, so you need the future of the rec- uh, at the receiver position. Okay, So there's a lot of reasons why the Bucks are, are looking at wide receiver. They're going to draft one in this draft. We know that. We don't know if it's the first round or not, but they're going to draft a wide receiver. And they need to, frankly. Uh, all right. We know, obviously, Marvin Harrison Jr., is off the board. He's the first receiver taken. He's probably the most sure thing. By the way, that's a sidebar topic, which is if you're not in love with these quarterbacks and you're one of these top four teams, do you just punt on all of that and say, I'm taking Marvin Harrison Jr., who I think is can't miss? Like, can't miss. Do we all – I think most of us would concede that's probably the most can't miss pick in this draft of the skill position players. Yeah, agreed. I like I there could be dudes in this group of top ten who have better careers, but if you're talking about percentage chance of bust, like Yeah, yeah almost none. Unless he gets hurt. People get hurt. But that's yeah. how can't miss is defined, right? right? It's like, you know, the lowest chance of a bust. Yeah, I think that, that I would think be Marvin weird. Harrison Jr. Yeah. is probably the lowest chance of a bust on the board at wide receiver. And I really don't know that it's that close. Like it's that dude, there's a big separation, he's a freak. Certainly helps to have Hall of Fame pedigree. Um and you know, look, he's a bigger version of his dad. He is that kind of great route runner, has awesome hands, and he's bigger and stronger. I'd just like to see, because the first contract is easy. Where you get drafted, it's basically a slot. You know, there, there may be some guarantees move around, but, I mean, it's basically a slotting. For that second contract for Marvin Harrison Jr., I hope dad is the agent <laughs> in that particular negotiation. How uncomfortable is that moment where you have to say something negative about his son? As a negotiating tool. Oh, no. It's too bad he's not a baseball player because he could have gone to the arbitration hearings. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I would ban him from that. But if he's an acting agent, you have no choice. Yep. You know, your son doesn't walk enough. Duly noted. Is what that- neighborhood do you live in, Phil? R- right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that right? He doesn't. Uh, he doesn't walk. Is that right? We don't think he does. You Is sure that- about that? Is that right? You sure about that? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, two times. One time Harrison. <laughs> Harrison uh, you know happen. what? Let me get back to you on that. You let know, me check the maybe numbers. Maybe my numbers are off. I, you know, I was thinking about that coming in this morning, that maybe my numbers were – it didn't seem right. It didn't seem right. Maybe we compiled it wrong, Marvin. I apologize. I'll double-check it. So, I, I, I'm taking – I guess this is a long-winded way for me to ask you, of the receivers that are going to go first round, First two rounds. How many of them are you taking over Keon Coleman? And it's a hard exercise because we never got to see outside of the first few games the real Keon Coleman. Much of this year was spent from Keon Coleman uh, kind of just nursing a nagging injury that never really let him run all out in the way that he did against LSU. The LSU game tells you a lot. But if I'm a detractor of Keon Coleman, I say, well, LSU didn't cover anybody all year long. Nobody. Everybody had a career game against LSU's defense. So, good job. If I'm a detractor, and it's a fair point to make, it was historically bad on defense. Now, Glimson's defense, however, was very good, and he makes the play of the game and, you know, often proved that no matter who he was facing, his number one attribute is that he catches the ball in traffic 
time and again, he's the man that comes away with the football. Now, that's partly because he's six foot four and big, 220-ish, 215, 220. He's a big receiver with big hands, and he's a basketball player. Remember, he played at Michigan State, so he can jump. He wins the contested football. That's a big deal in the NFL. you got to be able to do it because you're not going to be running free like you do in college. Dudes are going to be on you. So that's a great stamp of approval for that guy. I want to see what he runs. I need to see what he runs because I think there are some serious questions after the back half of this year about his speed, his overall speed. Yeah, it's a very important combine for him for the 40 purposes. I'm assuming he's going to run it. It feels like every 10 minutes somebody says they're not going to do this. He's not, not in a position that. to not run. I agree, but he could push it to pro day. Well, he could do say that, that, but he's got to run at some point. You don't want to go all in on one day. You want to have two days to where you know your pro day workout is, again, in front of multiple scouts, not just working out from one organization. Yeah. And you could say Indianapolis was a, that was a bad day, yeah. but here's my 447 you know, or whatever it's going to be. The thing is, that would be the only attribute that I need to see out of Keon because it's not just about catching the ball in traffic. This is the benefit of doing some work with Dominic Robinson last football season, somebody who knows a thing or two about route running versus what a a member of the secondary is thinking. He's a bully in -hmm. how he runs his routes. Mm -hmm. He will step on, like the idea of stepping on toes. You know, that's something that the pros will talk about, receiver coaches. He knows how to do that effortlessly. He knows how to fake with his hips or his shoulders as he's in full sprint and get somebody to bite on a move. Like the dynamics of running a route, he understands. The dynamics of catching a ball in traffic, as you said, of course he knows how to do very, very well. If he's got any kind of 40, this is where I'm coming from personally. If he's got any kind of 40, that dude's going to play a long, long time. Because a lot of dudes just have speed and they don't know how to do the physical thing. He's got the hard part down to me as a possession receiver. The question is, how much of a burner can he be? And to answer your question about what would you do with Keon, it depends on the team. If you have a one entrenched, oh, then you really like. Let it. him grow as a two, yeah. and get his confidence going. I don't know that I would draft him to be the number one right away out of college. There's three guys that are going to go for sure ahead of him. Adunze there at, at Washington. Uh, Rome is a great player, and he's going to go ahead of him. Uh, Malik Neighbors is going to go ahead of him. Yeah. A better prospect. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to go ahead of him. Uh, Some people say Byron Thomas Jr. will go ahead of him. So we start getting for Keon into the range of are you the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth best receiver in this draft? That's debatable. In a deep receiver draft. I'm not making this is not a shot. I mean, people like Troy Franklin at Oregon uh, more than him. Some people think. uh, the Mitchell kid at Texas, people like more than him. I mean, he, he, he's a good player. That's over the top. See what I'm saying? Yeah. But I mean, uh, the Roman Wilson, the other Roman, the, the, that kid at Michigan is is a big time player, body type. You know, so this this is all debated. Somebody will fall in love with you, or they won't. I think the combine's important for him, especially. I think he's got to interview well. I think he's going to have to run well. If that happens, the other skills are on display. We know that depending on where you rank a prospect going into the combine, it doesn't necessarily pair with where they're drafted. It's about need and who's on the clock when you come up. And it's, But Keon is largely thought of to be a top 45 player in the draft. Now, so you just do the math. You, we'll see. He's not going to fall out of the second round. He's probably a first-round pick, but it, we don't know. If any of those two or three other guys that I just named are higher on the board, 
then he will fall to the second round, and that would be bitterly disappointing for him given what we thought he was coming into this season and probably what he would have done had he been healthy. Uh, right, and given what he is, I think, objectively speaking. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I believe he is a first-round receiver. Like, I, I just There's enough there. I think, first of all, the skills that I listed out before are in, and that's, that's just done and locked up. Yeah. The 40 time, we'll see. He's going to interview well. He's very he's much a pro. He's already a pro. That's what I'm saying. He's already got the mindset of just let me get to work. Uh, the reports about what kind of teammate he is, it's going to be glowing. We've seen it with our own eyes at practice. He's taking second, third year players who have no chance to crack the two deep and working on them on working with them on route dynamics on what to do to you know get off the line of scrimmage. I, I got to interject here. I think this is so fascinating. You're bringing up a great point. Players will have good things to say about him. He's a unique guy. He, he, he is, he's aloof. He can be very difficult. I personally think there may have been some elements of uh, I want the damn ball, like a lot of prima donna receivers. All of the great receivers pretty much are this way. I think there's an element of that to Keon's game. But you're 100% correct when you say no matter what I'm telling you about what I think the, 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 the negatives are of Keon Coleman, I think you're right. His teammates, if asked, would say, oh, no, we love him. Because we witnessed it at practice. He walked up to young receivers he doesn't have to talk to. He doesn't need to to coach up. He's he's this close to realizing his dream and going to the league. What do I care? This kid's never going to get on the field while I'm here. And just because he's a football player, he would walk over and say, hey, do this with your hands. Do this with your feet. You need to do this in traffic. You need to run this a little more shallow. We saw all of that. Well, there's a difference, though. Like, this is the thing that only if you're in the locker room do you know what right. what side of a fine line he walks between I want the ball and it's a problem for the locker room. Because I don't think it was a problem for the locker room. I think when uh, you're good and you're the best option, it's okay to say, hey, you know, don't forget about me. Don't forget about it's me. It's a fine but line. If you're is. hurt and you're saying that, it's a little bit more difficult. Sure. I Yes, 100%. But... <laughs> <laughs> the stereotype of the prima donna receiver, I think, exceeds what Keon Coleman was in terms of one. I'm football. not making him out. The stereotype to be, is yeah. a problem, a cancer on the sideline. Well, Deshaun yeah. Jackson. Okay, well, but here's the deal, or well, much worse than that. You can go with uh, Antonio Brown or any number of other guys that well, are like downright. That dude's yeah. that dude's certifiable. Yeah. T.O. was a great player, but geez, man. Again, I don't think he rises to the level of any of that. I'm not saying that, but there are levels. Diggs. Catch the ball, man. Um, There's there's moments. (laughs) I would be surprised if he was that level. I'm not saying that. I, I, I just think there's an element of it. I think there's an element of it with every wide receiver in the league. They want the ball. That's how they make their money. That they gotta get the ball. They gotta get targeted. They, they get pissed when they're not. For whatever, you know, this is the balance that a quarterback has to deal with all the time. It's tough. Uh, there's one football, and you got other guys who also want the ball because they too want to get paid. I this is a critical combine for him. I, I think he's got to have a good one to to break into the group that I talked about. Whether you know he's not gonna be ahead of Harrison Jr. or Neighbors, and he's not gonna be ahead uh, of the Washington receiver. But from there. He could be the fourth. He could be the fifth. Depending upon that 40 time, he could be in that He's number not, three, he, number four position. Well, four, yeah. I'll give you four. I, I don't think he breaks the top three at all. I don't think he runs a sub four, five, four, four, five either, but if he did and it was laser time and you saw, whoa, Keon runs a four, four, one? 
Are you or a four four two? Well, it would piss me off because it would, I mean I'd be happy for him, but sweet Jesus, he was the slowest guy on earth for the last six games. He's pretty quick on that first slant for the uh, in the LSU game. Yeah, it's one movie. The was slant, gone. the first game of the year. I'm yeah. talking about the last no, six. Well, that's he- what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> I mean, he could run a time. He could. He could. He, yeah. he could. yeah thought, so, well, listen, he he's been timed. He was timed at Michigan State. I think at four four five. Was he though? I, I don't know. Like you know, that's, sorry, I'm sorry. When like a college does it, I'm like, are you really late? like? Is Michigan State going to put out there that? Oh well, you know this this kid is he's actually running four five seven now. He claims four four five. Like I don't know. I just I, I'll tell you that the scouting write ups that you can look up have a time that is cited from Michigan State more than one. Yeah. Independent sites. Now that Michigan State could be lying. That's what I'm saying. A lot but, of the, you know, but that was he a, runs 22.7 miles per hour. Was, like, get out of here. But it was four four five is what he was listed yeah. as. That's that's the information. Now listen, they, he's got. We'll find out. It does. They could have written four two. Yeah. We, we, we're gonna I'm, have to see. I'm just saying. Sometimes there's a little PR from uh, from the. Remember, it, we, it used to be novel. We covered it when it was novel. The Rocket Man works for Jimbo and yeah. he's got the vests on. Right. You know. Yeah. They can't wait to share the data. Yeah. Maybe they. Uh, Maybe it's like a, a player's height listing. Yeah, well, he's five eleven. Yeah, he ain't five eleven. Right, they would do that with certain guys. You'd be like, man, listen, that dude is nowhere near five eleven. <laughs> he is. He's he's shorter than Tom. I was standing next right. to the guy yesterday. I'm five eleven. There's no chance. There's no way, man. Yeah, yeah. He's got cleats on. I got flip flops yeah. on, and I'm still towering <laughs> over this dude. Um, Keon's legit tall though. He's six four. So that, that's that that's real, and we know that's real. He's a tall, big dude. I'm rooting for him. Several, he kind of is emblematic in this draft of a lot of guys for this FSU group that we could extend out to, say, 10 that are going to get drafted or have a real good chance to get drafted. I think the combine and interviews and workouts, the pro days, are going to be very important for a lot of these guys that are either tweeners or they've had – a year of success as opposed to two or three on top of one another building to this moment. They've, they've had this outlier year where is that who they are or on a team that was surrounded by talent did they really shine here but now individually they may not be what the numbers suggest they are. I have a sneaking suspicion that this year's draft for Florida State is going to provide maybe a handful or maybe a little bit more of pros pros. Now, I want to see yeah. if you agree with that. Like Bernardo Green is going to be a pros pro. He might be the best one. But I'm saying he's going to be yeah. a, he's not going to be a superstar. He is a pros pro. He'll be a good player in the NFL. He'll start for a long time. Yeah. He'll get a lot of run. He'll be in the league for a long time. You're going to be looking up 6 years from now like Bernardo Green's still in the league. Good for still him. Still starting. Like he like, might have yeah. one of the longest careers in terms of because a starter. Because he's really but, physical, he's handsy. Yeah, I just I don't know about how many dudes are going to be picked top 50, top 90, day two. You know, no. the cutoff on day two versus the week, the Saturday where we cram in the rest of the rounds. But I think this is going to produce maybe a half dozen of dudes that are just going to be there a long time. Solid pros. Yeah, yeah. Solid pros. Uh, but what it, it, it'll be fascinating because it will tell you some things about this team. This team had more balance, more depth than a lot of people thought. It also maybe wasn't as talented as a lot of people thought. Those two contrasting things can be true because so many of the guys that we thought were going to have banner years and be stars and get drafted in the first three rounds got hurt and really didn't have an opportunity. 
Johnny Wilson wasn't great. Johnny Wilson had he missed two and a half to three games in total. If you count quarters and pieces, he also is not a burner. He drops too many passes. Where's Johnny Wilson go? I don't know. It takes one team to decide they really love 6'7", and the fact that he's fast for 6'7", and if we can get him to catch it a little bit more consistently, then he's a matchup nightmare because he's 6'7". It takes one team to say, well, I'll work with that. Well, and I love a jet sweep to Johnny's side because he's going to He's going to block. Somebody. He's going to yep. block, and that matters. He's going to get drafted. That's not my point. But, I mean, he doesn't rank anywhere near as a wide receiver. He's way down the list If at any one of these places. They're not all out to get FSU players. <laughs> Every The NFL is a different animal altogether. We know this. We see this all the time. A kid can star in college and not – not make it in the NFL. We see kids that are just role players in college become stars in the NFL when they have packages produced just for them, unique sets of circumstances. So I this is a, a, an intriguing draft on two levels. Lots of guys have something to prove. Lots of guys may prove to be better than people thought they were. And there's a, a large number of them for Florida State fans to watch closely who need to have good a good weekend. They need to be good Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That interview room is going to make a difference for a lot of these guys. I mean, there are very few people who can get away with just being whoever they were in college and don't need to do anything much more than that. Marvin Harrison Jr. has already told everybody, I'm not running, I'm not jumping, I'm not lifting, I'm not doing a damn thing. Suck it. Take me as the number one receiver because you know that's what I am. I'm not doing a damn thing. I'll be there in an interview. That's all you get. By the way, the NFL is scared to death of this. The NFL is frustrated because this happens in other leagues. The NFL, this is a commercial enterprise. Everybody watches this stuff now in ways that we never imagined, right? If this is the beginning of something much bigger where superstar players go, I've got all the leverage. You've already seen what I am. I don't have to run for you. I'm not going to the cattle call. I'm not jumping up and down and doing all this dumbass stuff that's going to hurt my stock. As a football player, you saw I was the best wide receiver in the country. Right. Uh, just go ahead and pick me or don't. Yeah, I can't win for coming here and running. I can't win. All you could do is poke holes in my resume. Well, I have a bad day. Like you said, I just have a bad day. I mean, that's not who I am as a football player. I slipped at the start. You're going to hold that against me? You're going to cost me $6 guaranteed? Right. Right. There are very few people who can do this. Marvin's one of them, though. Marvin's like, no, I'm not doing it. Kudos. If you're that good... Well, I will show up for interviews with this list of prepared questions, yeah. and you can judge my tone, <laughs> Yeah. but these questions are the only ones I will answer. These are the eight questions you're going to ask me, and then I'm going home. Will, will you... Uh, Will you will you at least give us a vertical? No, no, I won't. Will you give me two thousand per diem? Two <laughs> k per diem in Indy that'll go me put, a long way. Put, put on the tape, see what kind of football player I am. Jeff Cameron Show ninety three three Real Talk Radio or Chat TV. Hey Seminoles, we all know how important it is to score in the red zone, but are you prepared for success in the retirement red zone? Five years leading up to your retirement date and the immediate five years after are a critical time of thoughtful planning for you and your family. And our friend and fellow Noel, Adam Tolliver, and his team at Artisan Financial Strategies are prepared to coach you to victory. Some of us, well, we're at midfield and want to plan ahead. Others are ready to punch it in on the goal line. They're making sure you know how much you can spend without running out of money, protecting yourself and your family against rising health care costs, or carefully planning your legacy, the Artisan team brings a combined 30-plus years of planning experience and world-class resources to help you navigate the way. For more information, just head over to KnollRetirement.com. Now, that's one word, KnollRetirement.com. 
Which part of this would make you the most nervous since we're on the subject of the combine? By the way, Braden Fisk, amongst others, obviously have an opportunity to do themselves a great uh, service. And uh, the years that they had and the Senior Bowl stuff and to carry it on, do a great interview. Next thing you know, they stormed up the charts from where they were when they got to FSU. Uh, So today for uh, defensive linemen and linebackers at the Combine. Uh, they do the ortho exam bright and early, so we're getting tested right okay. there. Yeah. Um, then they do media interviews. Uh, then they have a NFL Players Association meeting. <sighs> Those guys are going to be like, come on, man. Make sure you have a fall guy. And then they do team inter- – that was one of the greatest ever. Yeah, Chris Carter. Thank you, Chris, yep. for telling on yourself. All-timer. Uh, and then they do team interviews. So, you know, depending on what you are as a prospect, you're either really nervous early with that ortho exam, say you've broken seven bones and you're hoping that those have all healed up well. Um, or you're like, man, never had a broken bone in my life. Feeling good. Let's go test them. I'm thick boned. And then there's the, uh, there's the team interviews. If you're a stuttering wonder, you're nervous as hell because that doesn't play well. Otherwise, you're like, oh, please. Well-versed in many subjects. Ask away. So we got the extremes. <laughs> These teams have to prepare for all. Hopefully they're not still asking people whether their mothers were hookers. That was a classic. Didn't the Dolphins do that? I believe it was the Dolphins. I believe it was yeah. the Dolphins, yes. Was it Des Bryant? I believe it was, yeah. yes. That was That's a toughie. I think they said, is she still a hooker? In some ways, that's worse. And it, oh, it is? In a, every way. <laughs> yes. Come on, guys. <laughs> I can't believe somebody thought, I'm going to ask him this one. It's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cosign. Yeah. Is, his, is his mom still a hooker? Is she out on these streets? Uh, yeah, I, that's a that's a toughie, man. It was a young assistant named Hugh Freeze. <laughs> I'm just genuinely asking. He was hoping. What's her number? Yeah. I'll ask her myself. Uh, yeah. Good old Hugh. He found God. It's all It's all good. I'm sure he did. Uh-huh. It's genuine, Tom. Stop. You're so cynical. Uh, the Church of Dale Mabry. There it is. Many a man. From there, uh, if you must know, the order is defensive line, linebackers, defensive back, tight end, running back, quarterback, wide receivers, and then offensive line and kickers, uh, that that's the uh, top to bottom order of these things. And defensive line linebackers today, DB tight end tomorrow. Aforementioned wide receivers, since we were just talking about it, I wanted to give you the idea. It's the following day. So we'll get them, I guess, uh, Friday. So the combine in terms of start to finish length is rivaled only by ACC football kickoff. It is unbelievable how long it goes. Serious talk, though, the NFL has to be petrified that more and more players are going to say, you know, I stand to lose more than I stand to gain by doing all of this. Now, again, it is a very small group of players that are good enough to opt out. Uh, That's true in the NBA, too. I know certain NBA workouts, when you go to the combine, players will be like, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm the number one prospect in the country. I'm projected to go top three in the draft. I... You know what? The tape is the tape. I have a 40-inch vertical. You've seen it. I've shot the lights out everywhere I've ever been. I'm not doing any of this for you. I think it's fair, though, in, from the consumption side. I know that there are a lot of fans of the the 
fan base who has like the number one pick or the number two pick, and they want to see what quarterback they're going to get. Yeah, there's a segment of viewership of the combine that is that fan base starving to see who their next guy is going to be. Work out at the combine. Sure, and of course you want to see it. Doesn't mean I got to do it. But I really think the viewership of the Combine is more for the diehards who are wondering about pick 17 or their yeah, yeah, 75th yeah, 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 yeah. pick in the draft yeah. or college you know, fans wanting their kids, you know, from their own institutions to have a really good weekend. Like, there, there's a time for the superstars. If they're not there, you, you're losing viewership. Like when quarterbacks are hurt on Sundays, you their viewership goes down. I don't know that this actually hurts the Combine's viewership. Yeah, because the diehards are going to watch either that, way. That's, and that's who watches this. Some of those quarterbacks, the top quarterbacks in this won't throw at this. They're like, no, I'm not going to throw. Uh, they'll probably throw on their pro day with their guys. With their guys. With their, with their, guys, their script. It's and, their controlled. Yeah. 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 We were fortunate enough, you and Oof. I, to be standing on the sideline for Jameis's pro day. And I tell you what's interesting about it for people who don't know, who've never been to a pro day or even if you've just seen footage from afar, there's, a, there's an intensity to those things. There is a thickness in the air. You can feel it. There's a lot riding on it, and it's not just because of the player. In this case, the player was Jameis Winston, who was projected to go number one in the draft. So there's a lot. You know, If he has a bad day, that could change things. But it's because there are guys out there that he's throwing to that are trying to get looked at. There are guys yeah. out there who need to catch the ball. There are guys out there who need to run good routes. Running like, into the NFL Network set. <laughs> that was the best of all time. It was actually a really nice throw. That's just they were set up terribly. Pow! Christian Green, I think. Oh, man. He took those pitches out. It was something to behold. We were laughing. But it, you're right. It doesn't feel like football. It well, doesn't. It, it's not, of course. It's but eerily quiet. It feels like a six-footer on 16 on a Sunday that, man, I, if I'm going to hold on to this one-shot lead, i got to make this here. i got to make it now. And the whole crowd falls silent and watches the putt. My favorite part in particular was the fact that we were watching a quarterback. If, you're, if the guy that's hosting the pro day is a running back or a wide receiver or a linebacker or somebody who has a chance to go top 15 but not number one and isn't at the most important position, what you do don't get to hear is the sound of the ball off the hand and the silence in the practice only facility allowed for us to hear the ball come off the hand that that you hear just it is unreal when you hear guys can spin it that's what they're talking about the way Kurt Warner was standing there and turned and smiled and looked and it was really cool just because he smiled at the sound of it hour number two forthcoming stay with 